waiting on a transplant list for a double lung transplant for five years. So I was kind of getting weary and uh, knew that, you know, hopefully that it would come, but uh, I knew I would die if, without it. So the night before my NDE, um, I was working on some folk art in my uh, cabin in the backyard. And uh, I just heard the Lord's voice say, Mike, put that up, put all those art supplies up. I thought, wait, I've never heard him speak to me, you know, just like in everyday terms of something I was doing. And I said, okay. It's like, you know, talking to a friend. I'm like, okay. I said, all right. So I started packing it all in boxes. And, and as I was walking across the yard to go to the back porch, uh, my wife says, hey, come in here quick. Uh, you got the call. <laughs> And you don't know what that meant to me when I heard her saying, this is the hospital on the phone. You got to get in here and talk to them. And so I was like, okay, yeah. So, you know, I had, when I first got listed, you know, I got a, a call for transplant six months after I got listed in the first year. And it turned out to be a, what they call a dry run. They couldn't use the donor's lungs because they were, they found a mass on it. And so it was very discouraging because they had, you know, got prepped me and everything and, and sent me oh, home. Oh. So then I waited another four and a half years. And then so this, uh, this next call, I was like praying, hoping that this was it. So when I got on the phone with the uh, lung surgeon, I said, how do you know these are good, viable lungs? I mean, you know, are you sure? And he goes, oh, no, uh, yeah, these are good, and you need these. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I, I said, okay. So we went on to the hospital, and so I got there, and they uh, started prepping me, shaving my chest, and and uh, hooking me up to all these, uh, you know, uh, IVs and 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 you know, just really intricate things. It was like. I knew it was necessary, but it was like a little overwhelming at first because they were putting a port in my neck and, uh, and that was for all the things that they're going to needed to do. And you had to be completely still and sterile. And they like put this like tinfoil blanket over me. That's what it looked like or anyway. And, and just, just my neck was sticking out. I couldn't see this, but I was told this later. And so that's where they put the port in and had to, make sure it's by the jugular vein. So they had to make sure everything was precise. I couldn't move. And you know, of course everything was numbed up. So I didn't feel anything, but they got it in. And I, and I started thinking to myself, this is real. This is really happening. <laughs> and, uh, you know, facing an organ transplant, especially double lung, it, it's like the huge, it's huge. It's like, oh my goodness, they're going to, take I, I always said they're gonna rip out my old lungs and they're gonna you know install some new ones you know like it's like crazy crazy things they can do now so but i was in total peace i, I trusted that the lord had it in his hands and had a lot of people praying for me so i said it's gonna be okay mike so i'm laying there and said my goodbyes to my wife and uh said see you on the other side and so so they wheel me in and I guess they must have injected me uh, with the uh, IV to put me to sleep. And so it was happened pretty 
quick, you know, once they put that in the IME, you're kind of out. <laughs> and uh, so they're doing the surgery and it's a 12 hour surgery. It's pretty intricate. It's pretty uh, intense. And uh, so they told my wife, we will con contact you and, and give you updates. Well, she went home because it was, it was uh, going to be a long haul and she needed to go rest. And so they said, just go home. We'll call you. So she's lying in bed and I had oxygen tanks on my front porch. That was my deal. I, I had like 20 E tanks. They're pretty large oxygen tanks, about three feet tall. Uh, and so I always had them out there and especially for the oxygen tank company to, to go ahead and pick up the old tanks. So uh, anyway, all of a sudden in the middle of the night, one of the e-tanks falls over boing and my wife wakes up and she said mike oh mike's getting a transplant so she calls the hospital and she says what's going on i need to know what's going on with my husband and they said well uh first lung in so the first lung was was in and of course i had machines that were breathing for me and so uh oxygen oxygenating my blood and so so anyway She's like, okay, you know, she kept praying, fall back asleep again. And so then uh, another six hours, and was, you know, as the surgery continued and they got the second lung in and they, um, you know, it's a big procedure, you know, I, I, not to be too graphic, but they, they cut the, uh, the, the breastbone and, 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 you know, the rib cages opened up so they can get to the, uh, the lungs. So anyway, so, I realized this after, thank God I didn't look into it too much before, but I realized the intensity of the surgery. But so they got both lungs in and my other lung surgeon um, sutured me. Well, yeah, I guess they, they were about to suture me up, but they, they uh, anyway, long story short, the, uh, the lung surgeon, there was one clamp left on an artery, I guess. And I don't know. I don't want to blame him. You know, maybe he's tired. I'm sure he was. But they tag team between two lung surgeons because one can't do that whole 12 hour shift. So uh, anyway, the lung surgeon took off the clamp too early and I bled out. So all the blood in my entire body just left. <laughs> wow. And how I know that is that my wife the next day had asked the nurse, what happened? What do you mean he bled out? And the nurse goes, he died. You know, they were fast and furious in, uh, doing intravenous uh, blood transfusions, uh, you know, to get him to life. It was so uh, frantic and I guess and so intense that when they, when the surgery was over, I had a gash on the top of my head. My wife calls it the Amazon smile on the back of my head and, and uh, also something on my foot. So I've, I venture to say it was pretty rough for the doctors and nurses to get me back to life. So, uh, but anyway, when the doctor took off the clamp and I bled out, I, I died and I, I started raising off the table. I, I saw myself, I saw them working on me and I, I thought this shouldn't be happening. Um, you know, and I was going off the table and, and I'm like, I think I died. And as I'm going off the table, Right immediately when I was leaving my body, I heard these voices, you're not good enough. You know, you, who do you think you are? 
and just like, you know, saying all these kind of things to me. And I, as a Christian, I said, wait a second, you can't talk to me like that. In the name of Jesus, you, sh- you be quiet. I said, stop. And those voices silenced and never spoke again. And when I raised up a little further through the ceiling into the, the heavenly realm, I saw all around me these swirling lights. And as I was looking at it, there were wings. And uh, I noticed there were were angels all like encircling me. And I was looking in amazement. I'm like looking at these beautiful colors. And I'm going, wow. I mean, like, this is so beautiful. And then they start singing. And they said, Mike's coming home. Mike's coming home. You know, when when a a believer dies, you know, the angels rejoice that we're coming to the heavenly kingdom. And I'm like, I was overwhelmed, like, who am I that they should be even saying that? And, um, you know, when they started singing that, I heard a voice, it was the Lord's voice. And he said, no, he's just here for a visit. So at that point, I was standing in heaven, and it was bright, hot light. It was just so intense. And I, as far as I can see, as far as the eye can see, all around me was just light. It was beautiful. It was like, it was just total, I tell people it was total bliss. It was total, like, unbelievable that I was standing there in glory. And I'm like, I just stood there for a second. I was collecting my thoughts. I didn't see anybody. I didn't hear anything. I was just in this. Um, I, I, what, what did you see at that well, point, I, at that moment? I just saw, it was like it, light everywhere. And like underneath me, above me, behind me, in front of me, it was just bright light. I was engulfed in this light. Could you call, see you? Yes, I saw myself standing there. You saw your body? I, like I saw my body, but I, I it almost looked like it was I was in white myself. I was I, I call it bathed in light, bathed in heaven's light. And that's what I felt. And then in my mind, I you know, because you still have your faculties, in my mind I thought I was starting to think of my whole life, you know, kind of flashed before me and I was trying to and there was nothing there that made me feel guilty. It was like everything was washed away, all the mistakes, all the failures, all my sins. And then this realization came over me. It's Jesus. It's him. That's why everything is washed away. I mean, it's all him. He filled the heavens. He was all in all. I felt every particle, every particle of my being was, it was Jesus covering me, his blood washed away all my sins and I just felt like so free and and it was like no worries and then I thought wow we used to worry about so much on the earth we worry about our finances we worry about um, our health and and while we're going through suffering and everything it, it's not pleasant but it's such a short time it doesn't feel like it but in the life of eternity it's a blip it's not even and you had all those it. thoughts at all that moment. Thoughts. Did you see moment. any any little flashes of anything, even a split uh, second of uh, just, anything? No, 
no, because at that point, after that happened, there, this peace came over me like, wow, you know, Jesus is everything. He fills all in all. It, that just a, it was like an epiphany of, I knew these truths. I'm a preacher. I preached these things, but I felt them in heaven. I, it was the reality of what I taught on the earth was complete. I felt, uh, because of Jesus, I felt validated. I felt complete. I felt, felt whole when I was in heaven. It was like, it was like everything came to, uh, you know, just like the, the realization that this is where I belong. This is like, this is home. So, was, was what, so did you ever think, is this all there is this right here? Well, what I thought, and I tell this jokingly to some other people, is like, I'm a Norwegian by ancestry, you know, so I'm a Viking. Uh, I love exploring, right? So uh, not pillaging and, you know, harming <laughs> anything, but I just love the adventure. You know, I think, uh, uh, I don't know, I think uh, that's just my nature, and that's how I am. So while I was standing there, I'm thinking, what else is here? You know, my mind was going like, Oh my goodness, the possibilities are endless, you know, and, uh, and yet in the midst of all that thinking and thought and feeling, I looked behind me for some reason, I felt like something was coming behind me. So I looked over my left shoulder and there was Jesus and there was the donor. And here's why before that happened, right before that happened, when I stopped myself, before I noticed them behind me. I somehow in my spirit rose up. I said, I, I didn't want to see my mom or dad. I didn't want to see, you know, I just wanted to see the donor. This guy died for a girl to give me life, to let me live again. And I had a heart full of gratefulness. And so I said, I want to thank my donor. As I shouted in heaven. <laughs> And all of a sudden, I looked behind my shoulder, and there was Jesus and the donor. What did Jesus? Kind of, what did Jesus look like? You know what? Everyone asked me that, <laughs> and what the donor looked like, and they were fuzzy. And I was like, I always wondered why I didn't see them full, full face to face, the donor or Jesus, and especially Jesus. And someone said, "Well, you know, if you would have seen Jesus, you wouldn't have come back." Somehow, something about. When you see the fullness of God, that's it. You're going to stay. I saw so, outlines. Yes, Just outlines. outlines. But I knew in my spirit, my soul, right. that's who it was. Right. And, and, and because of what happened next, this is what, why I knew. So I see Jesus and the donor coming toward me in bodily form. And, and so I, I'm trying to look at the donor to see what they were like, you know, male, female, like, you know what? And I did see that they were, um, you know, the skin tone looked like a Middle Eastern person, like a, you know, I don't know. That's just how I envisioned it for some reason. And and I thought, oh, I wonder, you know, I wonder what their name is, you know. And I, but you know what? At that split second, it didn't matter. All I wanted, I wanted to hug them. And I just felt like they felt grateful that I got them that I got the lungs. That's the feeling I got when I was standing there. And then Jesus 
put his hand on my left shoulder and said, Mike, these are your new lungs. You receive them. Oh, I said, yes, Lord, I'll receive these lungs. I'll receive life. You know, at that point, I was thinking I could have had a choice to stay or to leave. But I looked, at, you know, kind of was looking down and going, I need to go back to my, the earth for my wife, my son. And, and I think I still have more work to do. And I had retired as a minister, but I, I didn't know what that work was going to be, what it was going to look like. So I said, you know, after he said, these are your new lungs, I said, yes. And then I think the acknowledgement of the gift, the acknowledgement that he knew what I went through and all the suffering I went through, and he knew I needed these lungs. And I said, I, I agreed with the Lord and said, yes, yeah, I'll take them. I'll, I'll take them. And meanwhile, my body was struggling on the earth in the OR, trying, they're trying to bring me back to life. And I think I had to make that agreement with the Lord that I would receive those lungs. And, you know, I'm kind of thinking maybe that I was fighting on the OR table, you know, because I don't know. I, I try to explain to people organ donation is a wonderful thing. I'm very grateful. But there's always thoughts when you, before you get transplanted, whether it's a kidney or lung or heart, is that you're receiving into your body another person's organs, someone's, their DNA. There's, it's a huge thing to contemplate that this person's organs are going into your body. And so it didn't freak me out. You know, I heard some weird stories, but, you know, I, I just thought I needed peace in, in making that decision. And when the Lord said, these are your lungs, Mike, that totally transformed my thinking, totally gave me such peace that I, when I went back down, I knew that they were mine. They were a gift and they were mine. So I got back and they uh, got the bleeding, you know, I guess they got the artery and everything uh, fixed and, and the blood, uh, five units of blood, I think it was. So that was the entirety of your, that your was the entirety of my, of my trip. It's huge though. Yeah. And so anyway, so I came back, they sutured me up. Uh, I think it was 68 staples across my chest. And, uh, and then I was in a coma uh, because I couldn't breathe on my own uh, because of all the trauma. Because what happened was I, when I bled out, it scarred all my bronchial tubes. So, uh, and anyway, in Of your new lungs. Of my new lungs. So there I was in a coma. The machines were breathing for me for 10 days. And I could not tell this experience to anyone because I had a tube down my throat. And when I came to out of the coma, I only had a dry erase board that I could communicate with. Well, nobody could read my high hieroglyphics <laughs> because I just couldn't write. I was so weak. So the only thing my wife could actually get out of what I was scribbled was take the tube out. <laughs> because you know normally when you get intubated like that um maybe you know the day day after you get the tube taken out 
the, uh, the breathing tube and the, and everything, right? Well, mine was the three. I think it was three days after that that you know it took to get that tube out. So, meanwhile, while I'm in ICU, my wife told me later when she was home, and I'm in the coma. She was with her sister because we had a mold problem in our bathroom and they had to gut our bathroom and redo it. And she's sitting there with her sister, Kay, and she says, oh, my goodness. And Kay's like, what's what's going on? She goes, I just had this thing come over me. My wife, Patty, said she said, Mike died, went to heaven and got to thank his donor. She goes, I don't even know how I know that. It was like a knowing just came over me. So we'll see, I guess, when they take the tube out and I can finally talk to him if that happened or not. So, you know, she waited. And um, so during that time, um, we had a friend who called my wife, John, John, uh, Jonathan, and he comes, went to a church we used to attend and he called Patty and he says, you're, you're not going to believe this. I could hardly believe it, but Something happened to me uh, the other day, and I wanted to share it with you. And she says, sure, what's, what's going on? He, she, he goes, well, I was, I was in my bedroom. I had already gone to bed. And all of a sudden, I bolted out of bed out of a, a, a dead sleep because the audible voice of God was in my room saying, Mike's with me. And he was upset because so many people were praying. What do you mean Mike's with you? It was the exact time that had died on the, on the transplant table. So then he says, and that's not the only thing that happened. He said, days later, I get woken up again. Audible voice of God in my room saying, Mike's back. He's, he's okay. <laughs> so my wife's like, Wow. God, you you definitely know us and intimately, and you're a God of signs, wonders, and miracles, and you can do anything. And you just showed me by that that knowing that Mike went to heaven, and then this man telling me that you, you he he knew that you were, had died, and then you had come back. God, that's incredible. So finally, um, my wife is going to go to the hospital to see me after the tubes were uh, the intubating tube was coming out of my throat and she told her our friend jeff hey you want to come with me because they're taking the tube out uh, of my throat today uh breathing tube and so uh he goes yeah he got and she goes well let me tell you what happened to me i have this knowing that mike went to heaven and met his donor well jeff's a doubting thomas he goes yeah really let me talk to him don't you say anything i'm going to talk to him first so jeff goes bounding into the icu room and with my wife and soon no sooner they took the tube out i mean i'm i, I it, what a procedure they take the tube out you're gagging you're, you're breathing on your own for the first time you're you know uh <laughs> it's just an incredible experience and my voice is like three octaves lower like hey baby you know, like as I, that, that announcer or that guy that does it, you know. Anyway, so my voice is like three octaves lower. And Jeff said, hey, Mike, when you were out in the Netherlands, uh, like out there, did you experience anything? And I said, yes, 
I went to heaven and I got to thank my donor. His eyes got like as wide as, you know, saucers. And, it, and my wife's crying and she's like, I told you, I told you, God <laughs> told me that already. And so uh, I said, yeah. And then, you know, I couldn't talk that much because I was still, my throat was still raw. But I, I was like, yeah, I went to heaven. <laughs>